Well, we began this awesome study last week. Kondo, as always, just shared the word in ways that are so powerful and so relevant. And uh, we're calling it Ephesians for Grown-Ups. And I don't think I got this assignment just because I'm by far the oldest guy on staff. Uh, but maybe. But my, my point is that uh, the Christian life is such a journey, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people, I probably have shared this with you, I'm one of those people that remembers the very moment I got saved because I was 19 years old. And it was March 30th, 1975, Easter morning when I gave my life to Jesus. I remember the moment. I remember the date. So I kind of think about my spiritual birthday almost like I do my biological birthday. So 44 years, March 30th, just in about just less than two months from now, 44 years of walking with Jesus. And I can say to you that in my life, it has been such an incredible journey of growth, an incredible journey with Jesus to see him show up, <laughs> especially when life feels incredibly hard and when I'm just kind of, as I've shared before, in free fall and Jesus shows up. So part of being a grown-up is the ability when life gets hard to not freak out completely, but to understand that God is faithful, and once again, he's faithful, and once again, he's faithful. And when you have that journey, it's such a beautiful thing. But there are ways to, to walk that journey well. So when Kondo started last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. You might remember that he talked about the idea of indicators or marks of maturity. And I, and I love what Paul says in those first couple verses of uh, Ephesians chapter 4 because he doesn't talk about biblical knowledge or brilliance or the ability to, to, to stand publicly and speak or whatever or sing beautifully or whatever it might be. He doesn't talk about those as indicators of maturity. Do you remember what he talks about? Number one, he talks about humility. Isn't that interesting that the more we walk with Jesus, in a lot of ways, the more humble we should become. He talks, secondly, about gentleness. One of the things I pray for the Lord as I get older is, Lord, help me not to be cynical and crabby as I get older. Because <laughs> sadly, I know a few cynical and crabby old people as you may as well. And it's, and it's kind of common, sadly, that a lot of people, you know, they, their body starts to hurt and they don't feel as relevant anymore and they're not as independent as they had been previously. And some of those things really begin to kind of overwhelm people as they get older. And they're not gentle. Gentle is kind of the, the cousin of kindness to me. I want to be gentle and kind. And then the third one is patience. Oh, there you go. Another tough one. So another indicator of spiritual maturity is patience. And then the one that Paul kind of elaborates on in verses 4, 5, and 6 is this idea of unity or oneness. And remember, seven different times he uses the word one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is all and all, and through all, and so on. And he goes through this list to emphasize the fact that the body of Christ is united. The body of Christ, when it's at its best, the body of Christ, when we're acting like a mature church, 
filled with mature Christians, is very, very unified. Isn't that interesting that the older I get in Christ, the less of a doctrine police I am to become? You know, I was one of those dangerous people at the age of 25. I already had studied a lot of theology, took Greek and Hebrew, and I thought my job was to set everybody straight about what you're supposed to believe about God's word. And what I have discovered, on the contrary, it's not that God's word isn't super important, but there's a graciousness when you know a brother is a brother, right? And a sister is a sister, and we may divide some things a bit differently, but at the end of the day, we love Jesus. We serve Jesus. We have the same father, amen? That is how we're supposed to be. So this beauty that comes when a church is grown up and it's filled with grown-up people is that we extend grace to one another. And we make the truly the main things the main things. And one of the things I love about being part of Mission Point Community Church is I think to a large degree we get that. But we can do better. Of course we can do better. Paul makes a shift in verse 7, and my passage this morning I want to share with you is verses 7 through 13. Paul makes a shift from this idea of the body, the unity of the body, the oneness of the body, and he he kind of pivots and he begins talking about spiritual gifts. And what's so beautiful is we all don't have the same gift, not even close. We all have different gifts, and what's so beautiful to me about that is even if you and I have similar spiritual gifts, they're packaged in unique people because we're all different. We're all unique. And the way that we express that gift and the way we, we uh, show that gift in certain places and contexts may be very, very different. And so he says in verse 7 that as each one has received a gift... So let me go ahead and read, I'm going to read 7 through 10, and then this morning we're going to go all the way to 13. I just have some observations I want to share with you that I hope are super helpful to you. Verse 7, but to each one of us grace, charis, Greek word, which also can be translated gift, has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, what I want you to see is this phrase, as Christ apportioned it. I think what's so important to understand is you don't have the gift that God gave you Because from eternity past, he saw you and said, well, I think he will be super good at this, so I'm going to give him this gift. Nor did he say, "Um, I know that if I give her this gift, she's going to be really fruitful in her use of that gift, so I'm going to give her that gift. As Christ apportioned it, simply means Jesus gave gifts to whomever he chooses and whatever gifts he chooses. Or said a different way, Jesus decides who gets what gift. Now that's so fascinating to me. Jesus is the one who decides who gets what gift. What's so fascinating is if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, 
much of the problem in the book in the church of Corinth during that time, and in 1 Corinthians in 16 chapters, every single chapter is addressing a problem in the church. Wouldn't that be fun to be the church that, you know, you're the problem church and, you know, all the church for 2,000 years gets to read about your problems and how those are being addressed through the Apostle Paul. But one of their big issues is people were not happy with their gifts. They weren't. And they were grumbling and they were disputing and, and kind of this idea of why do they have that gifts and I have these lesser gifts and some people do this and I don't get to do that. And there was, it was just very childish, very immature. So this idea of gifts relates to spiritual gifts, very different than natural gifts. You know, sometimes, let me talk about natural gifts. I think that's important to differentiate it. So um, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you have little kids who are in soccer? I bet like all of you with little kids because I go to my grandson's soccer game and three-fourths of Warsaw is there because I cannot find a parking space anywhere. And so we go to the soccer game, and sometimes you go to a soccer game, and you see a bunch of six- and seven-year-olds playing, and there's one kid, one boy, who is like, okay, who is this kid? He's amazing. He's quicker than everybody. He's faster than anybody. And by halftime, he has scored four goals already. And so what do you do? Oh, he's going to be in the Olympics, no doubt. You know, you identify this person as... He's gifted. Oh, he's gifted. Or maybe you go to, um, you know, one of those wonderful three-hour Christmas concerts for the kids, you know, and you go there, and there's, some, there's a fifth and sixth grade choir singing, and one little girl steps up to the mic, and she sings, and you're like, whoa, what a voice coming out of this little fifth grader, beautiful voice, perfect pitch. She even has confidence and wonderful stage presence. And you say, she is so gifted. Broadway, no doubt. Or maybe you go into your parent-teacher conference. I'm sure this has happened to many of you. And your child's teacher looks at you and she says, oh, your daughter is such a sweetheart. Some of you are saying, I've never heard that. (laughs) Your daughter is such a sweetheart. And you need to know that she is reading two grades above this grade, and her math scores are like 99th percentile. Your daughter is so academically gifted. So very often we'll recognize even kids who it's like, wow, there's something amazing there. We would call those natural gifts, and those are great. Do those come from God? They do. They come from God. Those are God-given. But when I talk this morning and share with you a little bit about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are different. They're different. But as each one has received a gift, that means that you have a gift. Some have multiple gifts as well. We have gifts. And here's my big premise to you this morning. Are you using yours as an expression of stewardship and love to Jesus? Are you using the gift or the gifts that God has given you? Super important that we do that. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Church is not a spectator sport. God did not give gifted people their gifts so people can just stand around and observe people who have gifts. God has given those gifts to you, to me, and he has called us, he has mandated us to use those gifts to build up the body. 
The purpose of spiritual gifts is very singular and very focused and very specific, and that is you serve with your gift. You serve with your gift. You don't glory in your gift. You don't exploit your gift. You don't be proud of your gift. You don't say, look at me with my gift. You don't do that. You serve. You serve the body. You serve others with your gifts. So that's what we're going to see together this morning. It's just so important that we understand that off the bat. And what's very cool to me is Jesus is the one who picks your gift for you. You have no say in that. You have no say in that as Christ apportioned it. Now, one of the things about our spiritual gifts, this is true with our natural gifts, but one of the things about our spiritual gifts too is we can abuse them. We can. One of the spiritual gifts, by the way, I wish we could take a lot longer over the next several weeks to do this. I don't think we will be able to, but if you really want to look at lists of gifts in Scripture, I mean, we're kind of lays them out. Some of you would know these passages. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, kind of lays out different spiritual gifts that God distributes to the body of Christ, believers. And you may read that and say, wow. I see these two gifts, and it's like, that's kind of where my heart is. That's where my passion is. Those are things that I am drawn to do when I serve, and they give me joy, and I seem to be kind of good at them. Very possibly, that's your gift, okay? And so he, he talks about that. Now, gifts can be abused. There's a gift of leadership, and the gift of leadership is simply being able to uh, influence people, often people who are gifted leaders, other people want to follow them. So can you imagine if, you're, if your spiritual gift is leadership and you just have this ability of people around you want to follow you and they say you're a great decision maker and we trust you, so we're following you. Do you see how that could be abused? Oh my goodness, absolutely. And it's abused in the church tragically, more often than we would ever hope it could be. Because when you have the ability to persuade and you have the ability to influence and you have the ability for people who might be your adoring followers uh, to really get them on board, you can do that for yourself. You can manipulate. You can take advantage of them in a big way. And so here's the deal about gifts. Again, another really important truth. God's given each one of us a gift or gifts, spiritual gifts. We're going to see in a little bit that our our responsibility is to develop those gifts. But number three, our gifts are only used effectively by the Lord when they are energized by the Holy Spirit. See, that's what makes them spiritual gifts. They're not just natural talents and abilities. They're spiritual gifts. And so my prayer for me, your prayer for you, I hope, as you exercise your gift is Holy Spirit used me, not let me impress people with how good I am or how well I do this. Holy Spirit, please work through me. Use me. I submit myself to you because this gift came from you. I don't want to take any credit for this because Jesus gave this to me. Okay, so that's the point. We can abuse it. There are people with the gift of teaching. There are people even with the gift of mercy. I love people with the gift of mercy. I think my wife and my daughters have the gift of mercy. 
You know, they're compassionate, they're caring. When somebody, you know, when somebody is really struggling or hurting, it's almost like this innate, natural, beautiful expression of care and hope, and often they'll weep with them, and it's just like a beautiful thing, and I don't have that gift, but it's a beautiful thing for me to watch and to see in them, and some of you have that beautiful gift. But you know what? Even people with the gift of mercy can abuse their gift. You say, really? How? Well, what could happen is somebody who just naturally is deeply compassionate and caring and that kind of thing can say, hey, what's your problem? Why are you so cold-hearted? Why are, are you so unempathetic? You know, if you were like Jesus, you would be much more compassionate than you are. And so I think any gift, and any of us can take that giftedness that God has given us, and we can use it very selfishly in a very self-serving way because it's not being energized by the Spirit of God in our lives. Make sense? I think that's just so true. And one of the things I've had to be careful of, maybe you have too, is as you're exercising your gifts, you kind of understand how God has gifted you and made you. It can be all about you. It can be all about me. And that's wrong. That's, in my opinion, kind of an abuse of your spiritual gift. Jesus decides who gets what gift. That's the first thought I wanted to share with you. Let me give you a second one, and that is that leaders are gifts to the body. So the passage continues in verse 11. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, key word here, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Leaders are gifts to the body, to the church. So he enumerates these gifts. He talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor-teachers. Okay, who were, the, who were the apostles? That name is familiar to many of you, I'm sure. A lot of people like to differentiate. By the way, the word apostle simply means sent one, one who is sent, okay? That's what the word apostle means. So as you study your Bible, you study the gospel, you'll notice that there were apostles who had been disciples of Jesus. They had literally lived with Jesus and walked with Jesus, Peter and James and John and Thomas and all of these individuals. So they were the first century apostles. A lot of people kind of say capital A apostles. They were sent ones. But this gift of apostle, I think most, many, many people think, continues but in a bit of a different form because now there aren't big A apostles. There's little A apostles. Still sent ones, people who are sent, who are gifted, who are sent. We would say missionaries have that type of ministry. We would say people who plant churches often have that type of ministry. Not the same authority as the first century apostles. In fact, when they needed to replace Judas in Acts chapter 1 and they looked for his fill-in to be an apostle, they said it's the person who needs to have seen the risen Lord and spent time with Jesus. That was part of the requirement for a first century apostle. Okay, So I think this gift still exists But it's different. As we'll see in a little bit, there's a passage in Ephesians 2 that talks about the foundation of the church after Pentecost in that first century were apostles and prophets. They laid the foundation for the church 2,000 years ago. 
okay? Second gift is prophets. Prophets are proclaimers. They proclaim truth. That's what prophets do. And again, you know, many would theologians would differentiate big P prophets, little P prophets, okay? So the big P prophets were the people who God literally spoke directly through, many of whom wrote scripture, okay? New revelation from God at that time. Now, there's a reason why we don't keep adding volumes to the Bible, right? After the first century, the last book in the Bible is the book of Revelation, written roughly 90 or so A.D., and then we call it the canon of Scripture was complete, right? It was closed. So this idea of modern-day prophets are people who declare God's truth, God's word. We speak forth God's truth, but it's what already has been revealed and written in Scripture, Okay? So I think it's really important to differentiate those two. A third gift are the evangelists. Most of us would know that word. Evangelists proclaim the gospel to the unsaved. Their whole uh, focus, much of their focus of their gift, is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who do not know Christ. And those people receive Christ as Savior. Like me, you might, like me, you might have friends. Excuse me, my little thing came on. I'll stick it in my pocket. Like me, you might have friends who just seem to be gifted evangelists, right? I mean, I have friends, it's like crazy. You know, we, we go to a restaurant or somewhere, and there's this incredible natural discussion or dialogue that occurs. And before you know it, they're speaking to their server about Jesus. And it's just so natural. It's not forced. It's not harsh. It's not anything, but just so natural. Or you might have a friend who just has such a heart for the lost And he comes to church or he comes to your small group Bible study and he says, or she says, you know, I had had some pretty exciting things happen this week. I need you to pray for these two people in my department. I say, why is that? Well, I had a chance to talk to them about Jesus. They both prayed to receive Christ at work. I'm like, whoa. Um, Some people are just gifted at that. Now, do the rest of us say, I'm so glad they do that. That means I never have to do that. If we say that, eh. Wrong answer, because who's been called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Every single believer, right? But some people just seem to have this gift, this anointing by the Lord to be so effective and so fruitful in that area. The last group are what uh, many would call a kind of a combined gift of pastor and teacher, okay, pastor-teacher. And the grammar, I won't go into the grammar of the text, would say, yeah, this is probably one gift with two aspects, pastor-teacher. The word pastor just simply means shepherd, and teacher obviously are those who, who teach God's word. Okay? Um, so those are the leaders. And again, I want to strongly encourage you to go to that Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, those two pa- passages, and, and look at those lists of spiritual gifts because what's unique about this Ephesians passage is it's talking about gifted leaders that have been given to the church but there are individual spiritual gifts given to all believers and I think that'll be helpful for you if you haven't had a chance to kind of look at that okay my third thought is this that God that gifts don't develop on their own gifts don't develop on their own Just because you have a spiritual gift doesn't mean you're going to be a star in using that gift or you're going to be super effective in using that gift. You know, I I like to say I see young athletes who are really gifted. It's like, 
well, you certainly don't need a coach. Would you ever say that to a young athlete? You don't need a coach. You're really good at the age of seven. You're just really awesome, you know? No, people with gifts need coaches. And in our world, the world of the church, the word that Paul uses here is equip. So the gifted leaders equip the people of God, the church, for works of service. Now I want to spend some time, because I love this word equip. It's just a, a fascinating word, and it's such a critical word for us to understand. Let me tell you what equipping is not. Equipping is not entertaining the people of God. Equipping is not even educating the people of God. Is it important to know and, and learn God's word? Absolutely. But for it to stop there is very deficient. Because equipping is not just knowing truth. Equipping is living out truth. It's living out truth. It's making sure that the things you know are being practiced in your life. And in this passage, especially those things that lead to you serving the body. Okay? Equip God's people for the work of service. Equipping is different than just learning. You know, you can become a Bible scholar and not live out or serve God's word, right? You have a ton of knowledge. Paul says that's really dangerous. First Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8.1, knowledge does what? Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge can puff up. It can make you very arrogant, even biblical knowledge. Okay, so here's a couple passages because I like to do word studies, and I think this word is such a critical word in the New Testament. I want to share a couple verses with you where this word, translated equipped, is used as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 and 22. This is Jesus. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. In some translations, some really good translations like ESV and New American Standard and New King James, this word preparing is translated mending, mending their nets. Why do you mend your fishing nets? Because they're broken, right? Because they're stretched out, because there's something not right with them. So here's my point. My point is that in an equipping ministry, sometimes before people can minister well, broken people need to do some healing. I think that's really important. Here's another passage in um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, words of Paul. Paul says, brethren and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should, here's the word, restore, restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So again, the idea of mending, the idea of restoration is tied to this idea of equipping. That was very helpful for me when I studied this because in my thinking, when I think of being equipped, I often think skill development. Now, that is part of being equipped, right? You know, when I equip you, I am training you. I am helping you develop skills and that kind of thing. But biblically, this idea, this Greek word that helps us understand being equipped often has some, some spiritual growth component in it as well. And I think that's very important. So that's why I can have an equipping ministry to people who have ad addiction issues in their lives or people who are just very broken in other areas of their lives. I can have an equipping. And, and what might that be? For me to help them live in a much more healthy way. 
You know, I, I talk to a lot of people, more and more people, about life management. <laughs> there are people who, ha- who are professional life coaches. And haven't you found that there are a lot of people whose life is literally a mess? And I'm talking Christians. It's just, you know, either too much is going on or there's unbelievable stress in their life and they have no, no margin in their lives. There's no joy in their lives. And it's like, to a large degree, being equipped to live life well is a huge skill that we all need. And let me say this, you need different skills at different seasons of your life as well. Okay, so I love this word equip because it, yes, it is developing skills, but it flows out of your heart. It flows out of being healthy spiritually as well, which I think is so very important to remember. Um, Kondo mentioned earlier our connection classes. This is going to sound like a little bit of a commercial Good. I want to do a commercial break real quickly with you. You know, one of the things, one, one of a big part of my role here, which is I am so incredibly excited about being here at the church and helping and being one of the pastors, is to set up all kinds of equipping opportunities for our church. We already have some, and they're awesome. We call them connection groups. You know, 101, 201, 301 connection groups. Some of you are involved in missional communities. There's just all kinds of things that we offer keep looking at the website you can register for some of those Uh, we have some in our program today but in order to be equipped we've provided opportunities for you to to really grow and many of those things are for you to grow spiritually but we're also going to be creating more opportunities for you to be able to serve very well and effectively in our church some of you might have noticed as you walked in, there were a group of guys in green jerseys. Those are our fight club reps who are here this morning. Awesome, awesome guys. Any of you guys do fight club? Have any of you done that? Yeah, a few of you have. Fight club, and we're going to ask you to uh, go to that table in the connection corner. Fight club basically is a personal growth, personal accountability, discipline, uh, hanging out with brothers, having a system of accountability in your life that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men all over this country, Fight Club was founded at the Goshen, uh, the Grace Church in Goshen a number of years ago, and now Fight Clubs for Men appear in 200 churches all over the country. And we have a group of men who are really passionate about it. And so uh, as you walk out, talk to those guys there. They're easy to see, green jerseys. Um, and you'll see 4.14, Nehemiah 4.14, men fight for your families. That's where it comes. And fight for a righteous life. I love that. So I want to encourage you to do that. There are many other things. We have women's studies. We have missional communities. We have people for sing- things for singles, people for uh, things for uh, couples. Just a lot of opportunities because I am, I am convinced, and that will continue to grow, and we're going to add more, because the mandate to the church is to equip. It's not just to educate. It's to equip. It's to train people. And I have found, and this just happened again recently with me, sharing with somebody who was just saying, you know, I hear great truth, and I hear the word of God, and it's wonderful, and I leave, and I say, but I'm not really sure how to do it. I'm not really sure how to put this into practice. I'm not really sure how to make this part of my life. And so when we're talking about equipping here, that's what we're talking about. How can we help you put into practice the good 
word of God you hear here at Mission Point, you study in your own time with the Lord, the Bible studies you're attending, how do you put that into practice? Isn't that critical? That is so critical, and we need to make sure we do that. One of the things I want you to know, i got to wrap up here. I want to give you my fourth observation, and that is that gifts are a means to maturity. Here's what, what is it's so important to know. So God gives us gifts. We identify our gifts. That's great. We are equipped in developing our gifts. That's great. But is that where it all ends? No. Did you see the last part of the verse? It talks all about maturity. It talks all about um, growing in our knowledge of the Son of God. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The Christian life is ultimately about Jesus and knowing Jesus. It is. So Paul says, even equipping your gifts and being equipped in your gifts are a means to an end, and the end is maturity in Christ. That's why we're doing this. That's why this matters so much, is his point. And I think that's just so great. You know, I was thinking, I had to say something since it's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Sports, little sports analogy. Um, Those of you that were involved in sports, I bet many of you have been over the years. It is no fun to practice hard and always sit on the bench. And you're saying, is that who you were, Jeff? (laughs) Eh, basketball sometimes. But anyway, it's no fun to practice hard and sit on the bench. It's no fun to be in great shape and sit on the bench. You know, it isn't. So it's really about playing. It's really about being on the field. It's really about being in the game. And I am beyond convinced, as our leadership here is, there are to be no bench warmers at Mission Point Community Church. God has called all of us to be engaged, and each and every one of you have a gift. And some of you are super gifted. And as those gifts are energized by the Spirit of God, my prayer for each and every one of you is to experience the unbelievable joy of having people, whether it's through Bible studies, whether it's through being mentored by an older believer who's 10, 15, 20 years further down the road with Jesus than you are. What a powerful way to grow. What a powerful way to learn. To help you thrive. Because your gift is a stewardship from God. I believe we'll give an account of how we used our gifts. Parable of the talents. You know that one? Some were given five talents. Some were given uh, two talents. Some were, one was given one. Five multiplied it. One with two multiplied it. The one with one dug a hole and buried it in the ground. How did the master approach him? What did the master say to him? He called him a wicked servant. And that's not a, a guilt-tripped attempt because I don't want to do that with you, but I just want you to, to know that how we use the gifts that God has given us is something that's a stewardship of our lives. And God wants us to serve the body, and he wants us to serve him as we serve one another. No bench warmers. Everybody gets in the game. I think that's so awesome. And may we be willing, each one of us, to say, Lord, would you equip me? So our job as the leadership of this church is to provide equipping opportunities. Your job is to sign up. Your job is to enlist. Your job is to say, I'm in. Super busy life. 
I get it. But Lord, I'm in. I'm in. I love this final verse. I have one more verse in Hebrews, and then I'm have the have the worship team come on out if you guys want to do that. I love this verse in Hebrews, two verses, Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, see the word, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And why I love that is he's the shepherd of the sheep, but you know what else he is? He's the equipper of the church. Equipping his church is very much on Jesus' heart, and it needs to be who we are as well as a church. Would you pray with me? Thanks, Father. Awesome, wonderful truth about who we are to be as the church. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here, Father. We recognize the fact that you've given each one of us a gift, maybe even multiple gifts. Forgive us, Father, if we are sitting on our gifts and not developing and using them for your glory. Thank you for the reminder to me that how you've gifted us, the lives that you've given us even, are to be a reflection back of our worship to you. So may you be honored, Father, in this church as we strive to grow in maturity, as we love one another well, and as we make sure that we're serving each other out of the gifts you've given us, but more so out of the power of the Spirit of God who dwells in us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.